Good morning. morning. Our first of two scriptures this morning is going to be from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And now our second scripture this morning is also in the book of Romans, Chapter 8, verses 5 through 17. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, They do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, Brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put death, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Will you all pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing us all together here today. Our hope is that all of us will hear your words spoken through Pastor Mike. And let us learn how to be obedient to you and how to be your child, God. For we were not meant to be a slave to sin. 
And I pray that you will open our eyes today as Pastor Mike teaches us all of this and so many other things that our hearts need to hear from you. Thank you so much, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. If I didn't get to see you earlier, I'm, I'm sorry for that, but I'm glad to be with you. It's a great day to be uh, at worship in the house of the Lord. Amen? And I uh, want to welcome those of you that are joining us for the first time uh, here at Marion Methodist. Uh, we're in the middle of something right now. We're in the middle of our first uh, dozen or so weeks out here at our new facility. And so during that time, we're, we're teaching a sermon series called Pillars of the Faith. Now, when we've been talking about pillars of the faith, what we're talking about is are those things that, that really hold us up. Uh, you know, in, in our building, the pillars are holding us up. That keeps the roof from crashing down on our, uh, on our heads. In our faith, pillars like salvation and forgiveness and grace and mercy and today obedience, uh, they're upon which our faith rests. So, so we're going to dig right in today because I have a little ways to go. But uh, Jacob's prayer for me was good because I want to tell you a little Pastor Mike story. You don't have to care, but you just need to empathize a little bit. I, I have uh, had the great pleasure over the last while to have uh, my grandson here with me. And uh, he's two. That means he's verbal. He says words. And at 2.30 this morning, he decided to start saying a bunch of them. So I'm not running on as much sleep as I like, so you're going to have to urge me on, or this might get really long if I drag, all right? So, so let's go right to, to obedience. I, you've all, some of you have been there. We've all been there at some level or not, where we're running on a little less than what we'd like to. But let's start with this. Obedience is something we really highly value. Obedience is something that we highly value in life. When you play the game Simon Says, and most of us played this or some version of that in the schoolyard, when you play Simon Says, the one who is the most obedient is the winner, right? You know, I, I, we all get confused and we try to confuse, but if you follow the instructions of Simon exactly, you value that because what happens if you follow Simon exactly at the end of the game? You get to be Simon for the next round. So we value obedience. And, and in a lot of ways, obedience sells. Let me, let me give you a, some pictures. A few years ago, there was a soft drink company that told us to obey your thirst. Take a look at this picture. Obey your thirst. Because if you're thirsty and if you just obey what your thirst is telling you and run to quick to Casey's or Fairway or whatever and get a Sprite, you're going to be okay. Let me show you another picture up here. This one is called Obey Your Body, which honestly, I always tell high school students, that is such a bad idea. <clears throat> but Obey Your Body, if you buy the right potions and lotions and obey your body and apply them in the ways that are prescribed by the, the maker, which I'm sure is twice as much as anybody needs, you'll be just fine if you're obedient to your body. And I want to show you one more picture and there's even a clothing line called Obey. Did you know that? No, you're over 30, so you don't know that, a lot of you. <clears throat> 10, 15 will be like, yeah, we've all got some on. See, Pastor Mike? We're wearing our Obey shirts today. 
But, but obedience sells. And yet, what's interesting to me is, is we see obedience as a value we really like. One of the bragging rights of a parent or a grandparent is to say, Oh, he's such a good boy. He obeys so well. And when you talk about a soldier or a seaman or an airman, obedience is crucial to them. They, they're not reliable unless they're obedient to the higher command. And when we look at, uh, you know, like the laws of gravity, it's good to be obedient to them, right? Because they'll win every time. So obedience is a good thing. We, we value it really, really highly. And yet, let's take a quick look at, 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 at why we don't always appreciate it. Because that's what we're going to dig into. That, let me give you a quick definition of obedience. Obedience is submission to the authority of another. We're North Americans. Not so sure we like submitting to the authority of another. Culturally, we struggle with that. Culturally, we struggle with submission to anyone because it doesn't feel like it's our choice. It feels like it's constricting. It feels oppressive. When, when I was a, a kid on, on the playgrounds, we used to play the game uncle. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? The guy, you know, you lock hands like this and then you push back and forth and you try to make the guy, you know, turn him over like this and you try to get him bend down to their knees and cry uncle, uncle, uncle. It's a game of submission. And, and so when we say we, we, we don't like submission, when, when we look at, at, at the way we interpret submission, it, it seems to be like that we're over, being overpowered into compliance, that we're, we're, we're not getting a conscious choice. And when you look at the current American cultural view of submission, the, the interpretation is, the interpretation of that is that you're defeated. And the connotation of that is negative. And if you're being submitting, if you're submitting to something, it means that, that, that you're being oppressed, that you're weak. And all around us, we see resistance to submission. We see resistance to that idea of submission. You know, we've been told, some of you, uh, women, I'm going to talk to you for a minute. You said, you know, be obedient to the values that your families put out there. Try to be the right thing. And yet, take a look at this picture. It seems like all the time, girls are drawn to bad boys because they're exciting <coughs> and it's dangerous. But women, you're not alone. Put that next picture up. That men, when we see a sign like that, what's the first thing we're going to do? Well, let's check it out. I don't know if there's any gators in here. We, we, we're, we're told, hey, submit to the sign. Submit to the fact that, that, that there are alligators nearby. And we're like, well... We want to resist obedience because I'll tell you what we think about obedience. Put that next picture up there. That's what we think of obedience. It's as plain as a vanilla bowl of ice cream. Boring. Now, please don't send me emails and come up after church and say, I love vanilla ice cream. I think that's great, but you need to put some chocolate chips or syrup or something on it. It's got to be spiced up. But, but we think of, 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 of obedience, of submission, as, as boring as that. Or put that next picture up. Or we, or we look at it like this. That if we submit to another authority, that we're handcuffed. That we, we lose our freedom. That we're constricted in, in what we 
do, and there's no creativity of expression. Now, the scriptural worldview of obedience is almost the opposite of what we've just been talking about. The scriptural worldview, the interpretation of scriptures in regards to obedience, the interpretation of obedience in scripture is you're victorious. The connotation of, of, of obedience in Scripture it is that, that you have immense freedom to work within when you're obedient to, to, to God and the way of God. And Scripture's view of humanity puts all people in two categories. And this is where we're going to camp out today. Two categories that Scripture puts people in. The first is this. People who obey their own sinful nature. People who obey their own sinful nature. And you've heard them. You know some of them. We might be some of them. We say, it's my life. I'm going to choose what I want to do myself. I, I don't want anybody else telling me what to do. I can take care of myself. I, I don't need to be obedient to anyone. I don't need to submit to anyone. No one is going to tell me what to do. And look what Paul says in, in Romans. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. The stuff of this world. And then life is filled with my desires and my wants and what I care about. And it doesn't end well, usually. We know people like this. It typically doesn't end well for them. Because oftentimes when they're talking about my, 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 it ends with them saying, I just can't help myself. I just can't help myself. And they're stuck. When life is filled with my desires and and nothing else, it leads to excuses. You all have a friend that at some point or another have said, I can't do anything about it. It's just the way I am. You got that friend? I have a friend that says, well, you know, I'm Mike, and that's just the way I am. I'm like, that's the way you are. That doesn't mean that's the way you have to be. Because at a deep level, you're choosing that just the way I am. When we say it's just the way I am, in there there's a plea for help, a, a deep plea for help because they all know ultimately they don't have enough. Romans 8, some of what Jacob read a few moments ago, goes on to say this, the mind governed by the flesh is death. I want what I want, what I want, I want, I want, I want. And it doesn't lead anywhere. It goes on to say, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now, pastoral ministry has taken me over the many years to what I will call the hospice or the deathbed of quite a number of people. And I will tell you this because I know it to be true, and I'm sure Vicki would echo the same. When you're sitting with someone, and they know, and they know that the, the hourglass is coming to its end of their earthly life, they have two concerns. They want to know where they're at with their family, and they want to know where they're at with God. Some of the biggest non-believers I've ever met have sat in hospice rooms with me And said, where am I with God? They want to know. Because they've been living life on their own. With just letting everything revolve around what they want. Who 
they can get, all those kind of things. But I want to tell you, when you obey your own nature, it's a cul-de-sac life. There's only one way out, and that's to lean in to Jesus Christ. So Scripture views all of humanity into one or two categories. People who obey their own sinful nature, not surprisingly, Scripture tells us not to be them, right? You've got to give me some reaction. I'm working on just a few hours of sleep up here. <laughs> Don't make me go higher temperature. Or the second batch of people is people who submit to and are obedient to the Holy Spirit. People who submit to and are obedient to the Holy Spirit. Scripture contends persistently, but we're just working on one group of verses out of Romans 8 today. Scripture uh, persistently contends that obedience leads to true freedom. That, that seems like an oxymoron to us, that, that saying you're free while you're being obedient seems different. But this is how Scripture plays this out. It, it, again, in Romans 8, it says, Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed in the Spirit is life and peace. I'm not going to compare us to the animal kingdom, but I want you to walk with me on this little example I saw. A number of years ago, I was, uh, well, let's say I was frolicking on the beach on the Pacific Ocean. I really haven't frolicked in a long time, but I was on the beach. And this guy, just a guy, came with his dog. And this dog was walking about five feet away from him. And the guy stopped and he said, sit. And the dog sat down. The guy said, stand up. The dog stood up. The, the guy said, go over to the cooler, get me a bottle of water. The dog ran over, got him a bottle of water, handed it to him. The dog sitting there and sat down. And the dog wanted to play Frisbee. And he said, do you want to play Frisbee? And the dog kind of said, yeah, I want to play Frisbee. So he threw that Frisbee out there, and that dog ran down there about 30 yards, grabbed that Frisbee out of the air, ran right back. You want to go again? Yeah, he did it again. And, and then he said, I'm going up to my stuff. Sit here. The dog sat there, watched him up to his car and back. Same beach, same day. This woman's taking her morning walk down along the beach. She's got a dog on about a three-foot leash, another big dog like the other one, and that dog wants to go wherever it wants. So it's walking along, and she's pulling it. So that dog's walking over here and going like this, walking over here, getting pulled over here, walking over here, pulling over here, and constantly <coughs> the woman is saying to the dog, stay with me, and saying whatever the dog's name is. It's a good example, but I forgot what their names were. The one dog had been trained to be obedient to its master. And it seemed like it was having a great time. It was doing kind of exactly what it wanted to, without a leash on, but doing exactly what its master said. The dog on the leash wasn't doing anything its master was telling it to. And it was the one that was most constricted. It wanted to do its own thing. It wanted to go over here. It wanted to go over here. It wanted to smell the pole. It wanted to do this. But it was completely restricted. You see, when we look at Scripture, what it's saying is the freedom comes in your obedience. If you affiliate, if you align yourself with God, you don't need to be chained up. But the actual chaining up is when you try to follow your own desires. Freedom comes when we live in obedience to God's 
desires for us. And God desires the very best for us. We have to believe that God desires the very best for you and the very best for me. That, that's what God is all about. But He can only give it to you when you choose it. He can only give you the best when you yourself choose it. Obedience to God allows you to transcend this world of one darn thing after above or another. How long and how we long to rise above the current conflicts that are in our life, in this life of conflict after conflict. You know, you live in the same world I do. Don't you feel that the world's just angry right now, at least in our North American culture? Don't you just feel anger about, I mean, you turn on the TV and it's like, them, them, them. It just seems like everything in media is, is a snarling face. And they're trying to beat us down into doing whatever they want us to do by our own free choice. But obedience allows us to rise above all that. Obedience to God allows us to rise above that. When we align with with, with God, while we'll still be living on this earthly plane, our spirit will be able to transcend, to go above all that milieu. Roman Roman 8 says this, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You see what the contention it's making? Yeah, you live here, but your mind, your spirit, your heart is not just bound to the flesh, but you're in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, which is an invitation you have to make. If the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even if, Though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life to all because of righteousness. And if the Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Him from the death will also give you who live in Him eternal life. Obedience to God opens us to an eternal community. You know, there's a funny thing about adoption. Some of you are adopted in this congregation, and this is what you know. If you were adopted, you probably didn't have any choice in the matter. There were some loving people that wanted, because of their own hearts, to give you a loving home. But as a child, you didn't have any choice about that. They came, they rescued you from aloneness, and gave you a family. But only one side of that equation was choosing. In the adoption that God speaks about in the scriptures, both parties get a choice. You as a living human being, a free and transient being, get to choose what family you want to be in spiritually. The family of you or the family of God. And if you're willing to be obedient to God... He adopts you into child, to sonship or, or daughtership. L- listen what it says here in the Scripture. For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. The Spirit who received you does not make you slaves so that you may fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you into adoption to sonship. It, and, and by Him we cry, Abba, Abba, Father. Which is to say, when the question is asked, Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? The response is the everlasting. 
the one and only God, the one who is not like any other human being. He is my eternal daddy, and daddy always takes care of his kids. That's the role of a good daddy. The father takes care of all those that he has adopted. In obedience to God, blesses us with an advocate. There's someone on our side. In Romans 8, it says the Spirit testifies with, it, with our own spirit that we are God's children. We are claimed and we are defended. God vouches for you. God vouches for me if we're obedient to Him. <clears throat> he loves us and cares us. In obedience to God, offers us an eternal reward. In Romans eight seventeen, it says this, continuing down the passage that Jacob read a few moments ago. If we are God's children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So eternal reward in life and with the best life forever. Now, a quick moment here. I want to share with you something that my preaching professor, Ron Sleeth, said to me. Guys, if you'd put that up on the screen. This is where I'm at in the talk right now. My preaching professor said, men, women, sometimes the truth of God needs to punch your people in the stomach with conviction. If not, you have not done your job. Preacher, swing again. Better put your gloves down because here it comes. I love what Dr. Slee said because what he's saying to us is, if you're not preaching effectively, stop doing it. Stop trying to teach people about God if you're not convicting their hearts. So I'm going to get in there. I I have no interest. I I really do. I have no interest today in giving you a nice talk. I've given so many nice talks over the years. I've had so many people say to me over the years, well, it's a nice sermon. And, And I appreciate that. But that's not what I believe we're called to hear today. Today, when you read scriptures and when you talk about obedience, the call is to conviction. The conviction is simply the question, how you live in? How are you living your life? Who are you being obedient to? What are you finding there for solid rock to live? The the conviction has to come then with an invitation to choose the freedom that God gives us. Now, some of us, and it's simply true, will obey our own nature. We've done that our whole lives. We might be 20, 50, 70, 60, whatever, and we've obeyed our own nature our whole lives. And frankly, we're not living that well. We're not doing as well as we could. And so when the pastor says, how you living, you kind of want to say, I'm fine. But in reality, you can't say that. Because when we're living to our own nature, Here's what crops up. We have addictions that pop up within our, our lives. And see, we immediately, when I say addiction, you go to, you know, the ones that everybody knows are addiction. You say, well, yeah, you, you don't want to be addicted to, 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 to drinking. You don't want to be addicted to drugging. But I'm also saying there's some of us that are addicted to social media. There are some of us that spend more time on Instagram in a day than we say spend serving the Lord in a week. Can I get an Amen. Sorry, older group, Facebook. I should have said Facebook. 
You know, the, the kids do, yeah, there we go. The kids do Snapchat and Instagram. We probably do Facebook, whatever. But there's also, you know, like addictions to, like, eating too much. Now I'm meddling, right? I'm backed up. I'm swinging again. There's also addictions that some of us have to not eating a li- enough or exercising too much. Or run around the internet, all kinds of places. We can't hardly get away from that. When we live on our own, we gather addictions and we, we have anxieties. We're freaking out all the time and we're wearing out our carpet and our, and our nails as we worry about this and that. Or, or our, our lifetime com- companion has been depression. Or, or we, we've, we've gotten in bed is, is our default mood of being lonely all the time. The question is how you live in. All day long we feel alone, some of us. Some of us say, well, I I hear the conviction you're saying, pastors, but I can't get over my shame. I can't get over the shame of what I've done or what I'm trying to hide or what I'm trying to keep in the background or my history that I don't want anybody to find. We have woes of every kind, health, emotional, relational, all those things. We're not living so well. And the scriptures are so clear in this matter. It says, submit yourself to God. Be obedient to his word of wisdom and receive peace in your decision making, spiritual safety and the opportunity for wholeness. You're being prompted by a higher power to be liberated. You understand that? I know you've heard a lot of sermons before, but you're being prompted by a higher power to be liberated. You're in the right place. And you can choose it even today. Nine o'clock in the morning. For those of you, now I'm gonna I'm gonna get right in here and meddle for a minute. For those of you that have been hearing sermons from a pulpit like this one or another one for many years, but have not really been fully liberated, listen. For those of you who've been doing the work of the church, working in the Sunday school, working in the kitchen, singing in the choir, but it's become a work not a spiritual exercise of love listen for those of you who who came today with broken hearts needing something from God needing to connect directly with him listen for those of you who are tired of going life alone listen right now It's time to stop going to church and start being obedient to God. It's time to stop going to church and start being obedient to God because freedom and and, and liberty are precious gifts that come to us when we're obedient to God. And obedience will, will, will free us to truly reach the heavenly glory which God has in store for us. God is never going to make you obey Him. He will not. But he also knows that your greatest freedom will come when you choose obedience to him. You've been prompted by God and called. But I want to take a moment. Let's pray together, if you would. Let your heart collect with mine. Lord, we're so grateful that you take us just as we are. That you take us and mold us into the kind of person that you would have us be. If only we turn our hearts to you. Lord, we're North Americans. We like to be our own bosses. We like to be in control. We don't really like to comply with the will of anyone but lord you tell us all along that if if we'll allow you to be our shepherd 
that you'll teach us the way that leads to eternal life, that you'll be our advocate forever, and that actually if we're obedient to you, we'll feel more joy there than anywhere else we could find. So Lord, we come to you just as we are, and we ask that you make us who you would like us to be. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come. Amen.